Hey, good morning, folks. Once again, thank you for joining us uh, on Liberty Online. And uh, we're going to continue with the study of Mark today. I just have one quick announcement. As many of you know and have seen uh, that we're going to begin in-person worship services at the church inside. Uh, and that will begin on the 23rd of August. So if you are available uh, and would love to come to an indoor service, the 23rd of August, we're going to have two services at 945 and 11 a.m. So, so I hope to see you there. Uh, the opportunity is that uh, we will continue to do this as long as we are able. We have taken the necessary precautions for some social distancing and for some weekly thorough cleaning. And so we hope to see you there. We would encourage you uh, to wear a mask into the building before you find your seat and, and uh, then you can have a seat and join us in worship. So thanks for that. And I hope that uh, today you are encouraged by the word of God that we look at Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at a, a parable that Jesus tells. And it's a piece of what he has uh, been teaching his disciples. And so I'm just going to read the story to you kind of in its totality. Then we'll go back and we'll lay out what it is that Jesus is really talking about as he, as he tells this story about a vineyard. So Mark chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, teaching them the stories... A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, he dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servant, they beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner then sent another servant, but they insulted him, and they beat him over the head. The next, the next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were either beaten or killed. Until there was only one left, his son, whom he dearly loved. The owner finally sent him, thinking, Surely they will respect my son. But the tenant farmers said to one another, Here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, and they murdered him, and they threw his body out of the vineyard. And what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Jesus asked. I tell you, he will come and he will kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. It's a pretty dramatic story that Jesus tells here about a man who owns a piece of property, who owns a vineyard and must be of great value because he builds a moat basically around it. He, he does everything that he needs. He builds this lookout tower so that you could protect yourself. He puts a wall around the outside edge. It's a vineyard of great value. And the man who owns it 
leases it out to these tenant farmers. Now, first of all, you need to understand that this was a fairly common practice at the time when Jesus told this story. That it would have been something the disciples would have identified with and understood that that there was a wealthy man that owned a vineyard and would lease it out to farmers and then he would go away to another country and he would live there. And at the time of the harvest, they would bring in all of the grapes and how they would pay the rent would be out of the harvest. And so the servants would be sent from the owner to collect payment for what the owner had leased it out to these farmers for. And so this was a common practice, and unfortunately, a lot of times, it did lead to bloodshed because the tenants would take over and, and work the soil, and they would understand that, that this was a vineyard of great value, and they would do all that they could. They'd put their time into it, but they would forget who owned the vineyard. The question of this entire parable really comes down to answering the question of ownership and then deciding what it is you're going to do with what it is you have. So the parable, there's this man who planted a vineyard. He, he's the one that put all of the work in. He built the wall. He digs out the pit. He builds a lookout tower. He does everything that is necessary for this vineyard to succeed. Inside of this parable, that man is God. As Jesus is telling his disciples of this world, that God created this world for, for all that we could ever need. And then he entrusts it to these tenant farmers. He, he entrusts this vineyard. And in this parable, for the sake of what they're going to talk about, it's really Israel. As Israel is given over to these tenant farmers and these religious leaders were there to take care of the vineyard. And then as you look at the servants, those that were sent from the tenant, sent from God, those are the prophets and the other leaders that Jesus sent over, or that God sent over time to tell the religious leaders that, that he was still there, that he was still providing, and that they should respect his ownership of the vineyard. Once a year, they would show up and they would remind them who owned the vineyard. The religious leaders, we know, as Jesus has this squabble beginning, that they were really struggling with his authority. And then finally, it gets down to the place where the owner has but one run resort left, and that is to send his only son. And he says, surely they'll respect my son. And what happens is the tenants see this as an opportunity to kill the only heir to the vineyard. And they seize it. They kill the son and they throw him out of the vineyard. And Jesus was telling again of what his death was going to mean, that the owner of the vineyard was going to come and it was going to be about how First of all, you answer the question of ownership. And secondly, what is your role 
And that word could be defined as stewardship. It's a word that we kind of throw away inside of our culture. We, we use it. We say that we steward resources. We are stewards of the land. We, we use this word, but I don't think we actually understand what it means sometimes. It's the foundation of what our mission statement is, that, that everything is from him and through him, and then the glory goes back to him. If we don't understand ownership, if we haven't answered that question, then we can't understand how it is that he uses what he's given us through the life that we lead. And we certainly don't want to give back the glory to him because we think we own it. And that's exactly what this parable is about. That as God plants this vineyard, as this man plants this vineyard and he gives it to these religious leaders, he expects them to steward it, to take care of it. That's the agreement that was there. And he moves to another country. But at the time of the harvest, he returns with some of his servants. He sends a servant back to say, the owner is here. The servant represents the true ownership of the vineyard and the tenants have, have taken a role that is not theirs. They have, they have become uh, the owners in their own mind of this vineyard and they're unwilling to give up what it is that God has only given them to steward, to take care of, to, to use for the purposes of the owner, to use for the purposes of God. As he sends these servants and they continue to be mistreated, we see a pattern of this ownership question arising. As we live our lives, as we take all that God has given us here inside, especially of the United States, as we understand his provision and his protection for all of the things that we need, we have to settle the question of ownership in our lives. You see, this parable was written specifically as, as Jesus was talking to the disciples about the religious leaders that were stewarding Israel. But at the very end of it, as his son comes and pays the ultimate sacrifice with his life, the question that Jesus poses is, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? He says, I will tell you that he will come and he will kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. This is an interesting transition that, that the disciples may have not understood and the religious leaders kind of did because they understood that Jesus was talking about them, that, that they had been, not been given ownership, but they had been given responsibility to steward what God had given them. And they had chosen to usurp his authority and act like they were the owners, that they were the ones in charge they weren't stewarding what God had given them any longer. They were pretending as if it belonged to them. And, and he was going to come back and remove them from the equation 
and give this to another group of people. And that's where we come in, not being Jews, not being descendants of Israel. We're the Gentile people, and God has given over stewardship of what the relationship looks like to us through his son. And so those blessings that, that Paul writes about throughout the New Testament, this is the transitional piece that as his son comes and dies and pays the ultimate price, it is now for everyone that the sacrificial system has been fulfilled and is no longer the way to God, but it is only through Jesus that we can seek out a relationship with the owner and accept from him the free gift of salvation, his provision and protection. And with that comes the responsibility of stewarding it. We don't own it. The owner is God. We have been given a gift and a way in which we get to work from, through, and to. And all of our lives should be predicated on that opportunity. Stewardship is about keeping all of the interests in mind. Recognizing that the owner is still in place that his vineyard, that his world is still operating under his control and our role is to steward each day all that he gives us, whatever that looks like, all of your time, your talents and your treasure, the abilities that he has given you uniquely, all of those things flow from the owner to a steward, me, a vessel, Someone that God has poured abilities and resources into that I get to steward those things. I don't own them. I get to use them for a time for his glory. Ultimately, giving back to him all that he has entrusted to me. The stewards of the vineyard need to remember who owns the vineyard. That's the, the critical piece as we started with the question of ownership first. You've got to settle that in your mind. Do you really believe that God owns this world? That he has created it for us to enjoy and to steward that we don't own it? that we can't fix it inside of the world that we live in right now, inside of a, a global pandemic, it is especially compelling to know that, that we as stewards of the resources can only do that which God has provided for, that we have his peace, that we have love for others, that we get to pour out grace and mercy in our lives to other people, that we can't fix the pandemic. We're not in control of that. The owner is. We get to steward what it is that, that he has been doing from the very beginning of time. And God has given us through his grace and mercy a place of stewardship, a place of, of usefulness. Mark chapter 10, 12, chapter 12, verses 10 through 12, he continues 
And didn't you ever read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. And the religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. But they were afraid of the crowd, and so they left him, and they went away. Jesus uses a passage here from the Old Testament to say that, the, that there will come a time when the cornerstone of the foundation of what God is building is going to be here. And that cornerstone is going to be Jesus. Every stone that is laid from that point on will be judged by Jesus. And so why it's so critical for us to understand this relationship is that the owner, God the Father, has sent his son Jesus so that the stewards of all that he has provided will be judged by that cornerstone. The cornerstone is the one that sets the level, sets the distancing, all of those practical things that, that the rest of the building is built upon resides on that one chief cornerstone. And the religious leaders were rejecting Jesus. And God was moving on from those wicked farmers, and he was going to hand over stewardship to a different group of people. And he was going to use his son as the measure by which we are to live our lives. How do we steward what it is that we do? We listen to Jesus' words. We listen to what it is that he says. We watch his life unfold in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see the way that he gives up his life for this world. That he sacrifices literally everything physically that he has that we can then use him as the standard to ensure that all of us as stones inside of the foundation and the, and the building that God is rising up are straight and level. As you think about where you are in life today, last week I asked you to think about your personal relationship with Jesus. Where does it reside? It's so important to understand the answers to these, these questions. And, and if you are saying that you recognize God's ownership of your life, then following Jesus and using Him as the standard has become how you live your life. He is the very measure of how we live life. Jesus bookends with another story. So Mark records the, the final story in chapter 12. And to me, it's a very telling story. It's very short succinct, and it talks about stewardship. It recognizes ownership and that we are stewards of what he provides. 
verse 41 is where you'll find it. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Now Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worthy of only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. So Jesus is sitting in the temple watching the offering. He sees a large group of rich folks go through, those that have been blessed abundantly with wealth in this world. And they put in large amounts, and, and those large amounts were probably very welcome, but yet they were also only a small fraction, it appears, The widow comes by and puts in a couple of small copper coins and Jesus calls his disciples over and says, listen, you need to, to understand something from this widow. The first of all, she has a deep recognition for my father's love and provision for her because she gave out of her poverty all that she had to live on back to God. She recognized his ownership, that she was him and she belonged to the king. She recognized his care and his love for her by emptying out her, her pockets physically and resting on his assurance that he will care for her. The rich folks did what they were supposed to do, but, but was it out of their heart? And, and we continue to come back to that phrase from several weeks ago that these people offer praise with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And here we see Jesus hitting it again. That we can easily go through the motions and we can give out of our wealth and out of our abundance. But do we do it sacrificially? Do we really dig into our heart and say there are people that are hurting and I recognize that I don't own this which God has given me. That I recognize God owns all that I have and provides for my life. And as I recognize his ownership and his love and his care for me, it leads to a reflection of him in how I steward all that he's given to me. The parable of the tenants and this widow's story fit hand in glove. That as Jesus was 
talking about the story from beginning to end that God created this world and all that is in it, including us, and he owns all of it. He is the creator and the one due glory and praise and honor by the way we live our lives, how much we give back to him. And, and that should be the centerpiece of our world. How are we stewarding what it is that God has given us? Are we taking the time to serve people with our lives? Are we taking the abilities that we have and using them inside of his body? Are we giving back to him financially? Are we allowing the resources that he has given to us to be poured back in to be stewarded by other organizations, whether it be missionally, whether it be your local church, all of those things. Am I allowing God's love and his care for me to be reflected in the way I am stewarding my resources? Because eventually God is going to send Jesus back and he's going to take those he cares for, those that have a relationship, those stewards that, that have understood God's will for their life and he's going to take them away because salvation is promised to those who accept the gift from the owner and become stewards through him of the life they have and one day we will get to live in glory with him ultimately. So this week, I want you to really analyze your week. What does your week look like? What are the priorities of life? And do they flow out of your priority to steward what God has given you? Is that a priority in your life? To steward what it is that God has given you? Father, I pray that you would continue to guide us, direct us. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for Jesus and his teachings here. I pray that we would continue to read his words and, and digest what it, the meaning of these things, these stories, these parables, these, these messages to us, that as God has taken and sacrificed his only son on my behalf, I get to, to be a steward of this new life. Lord, I pray that I would reflect who you are, that others would be drawn to you as a result of the way I use the gifts and abilities you've given to me. In Jesus' name, amen.